everybody. It's great to see you today. We're in the third part of our four-week series called Four, and when we launched a series three weeks ago, I asked you two questions that most people just honestly never think about, and the two questions I asked were, what do you want to be known for, and what are you known for? Now, regardless of who you are, where you're at in your spiritual journey, what you believe about God, regardless of your age, regardless of the color of your skin, your fin financial you know, status, regardless of who you are. One thing I know about you, because it's true about all of us, is you want to make a positive difference in the world. You want to make a positive impact in people's lives. You want, you know when you die, you, you want to say, I want the world to be a better place because I was in it. And not only that, just on a more practical level, you want, you want your relationships to be better because you're in that relationship. You want your marriage to be better because you're in that marriage. You want your company to be better because you're in that company. You want your neighborhood to be better because you're in the neighborhood. You want this church to be better because you're a part of this church. And you just want to make a positive difference and positive impact and have positive influence in people's lives. Now what you got to know is the answer to these two questions will determine on whether or not you ever do make a positive impact or whether you don't make one. So that's true for all of us. However, for those of you who would say you're a follower of Christ, for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and leader of your life, our answers to these two questions are crucial in determining, you know, if we're truly following Jesus or not. Because over the last few weeks, we've discovered that God is for people. And we know this because Jesus himself said that the entire reason that God sent him was to seek and save those who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with Holy Creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And that's you and you and you and you and you and you and me and every single person uh, alive. Jesus said that, that, that our Heavenly Father sent him on a mission to restore and redeem and reconcile our relationship with him. That, that's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for. That's what Jesus rose from the grave to prove that only he can do. And before Jesus left this earth, he called us as his followers to carry on his mission of being for those whom he is for by sharing the good news of his love and forgiveness and mercy and grace and salvation and hope and peace with them. Jesus would look at you as one of his followers and says, that's ultimately what I want you to be known for. That's ultimately what you as my church should be known for. But is it? Is it what you're known for? I mean, what's the church known for? And we talked about this. Like, if we're being honest, people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And as a result, a gap has been formed between the church and the rest of the world. And the gap just gets, keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger the more that they feel like it's us against them and them against us. And this gap that's been created between us and the rest of the world is, the, is resulted in us as the church losing influence in the world and losing influence in people's life for Jesus. If you're new to relevant, you need to know that we are here to help change that. In a world where churches are often known by what they're against, we at relevant want to be known by what we're for. At relevant, we are for people because God is. We're for people who we don't agree with and who don't agree with us because God is for those people. We're for people who have turned their back on God because God is. We're for people, we're for people who don't believe in God, don't trust in God, don't even want to believe and trust in God because God is for them. We're for people who are sinful, prideful, unloving, immoral, unforgivable because God is for them. We're for people who are downcast and broken and weary and forgotten and hurting because God is. We're for people who are hopeless, people who are helpless, people who are lost just like we are because because God is. At Relevant, 
we want to be known by this because we believe that the only way people will know that God is for them is if we are first, is if you are first and you are first. Many people have written God off because they believe that God has written them off. And I'm not okay with that because Jesus paid way too high of a price on the cross for that current thinking of from so many people. We're here to show people that God hasn't written them off because we haven't written them off. The, the good news of Jesus is the greatest message the world will ever hear and a, the message the world needs to hear. And the only way a skeptical world is ever going to hear it is if they know that we are for them. The only way a skeptical world is ever going to believe that the good news of Jesus is for them is if they believe that we are for them and not against them. So the question that we've been asking is how? Like how do we do this? How do we shrink the gap with someone who has no interest in Jesus and has already said no to Jesus in the church? How do we shrink the gap with people who already feel like we're against them and they feel like they're against us? How can we be for people without changing and compromising our positions and our beliefs and our convictions? And I don't know all the answers to those questions. But I do know in order to, for it to happen, we're going to have to do what I talked about last week, and that is think different. Last week we discovered that the ones who are crazy enough to think differently are the ones who change the world. And because I challenged you last week, I challenged you to be crazy enough to think different, not about your positions that you have, the convictions that you have, but about your posture. And today I'm going to challenge you as well. I'm going to challenge you to be crazy enough to think differently as well. But today, I'm going to challenge you to be crazy enough to think differently about your approach. Uh, to think differently about your approach with people who have said no to church, no to Jesus, no to God, and no to what you believe. Now let me just say, before I dive into this, I know that, you know, there's, there's many of you who are here or watching, you've said no to Jesus. You've said no to the church. You're surprised you're even watching or you're sitting in this room. You're like, I really can't even believe I'm here. And one of the reasons that you've said no is because of the approach of so many people who have labeled themselves Christian. You just feel like they are against you. You feel like we're against you. And I just need to say up front here, like, I am so sorry for that. I'm sorry for when, whatever has happened that made you feel as if the church and God and Jesus are against you. And I hope as, we ch as I challenge all of us as followers of Christ today, and you hear me doing this, I hope my biggest hope really you walk out going, man, maybe God is for me. And maybe these crazy people at Relevant are for me as well. Now, before I challenge you to think differently about your approach, let's first talk about what our current approach so often is. Now, that isn't always with all people, but I think it is a lot. Our current approach so often is to take a stance by our, posi by our positions. And now, chances are you have some, some doctrinal, theological, moral, social, political positions that you have, you know, you, you, you believe deeply or true that you believe deeply or right. I mean, and I know that about you because no one holds firmly to a position that they think they're wrong about. And because of that, the approach that we're all, by the way, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, this is anybody on any positions that we hold, that are, are the approach that we're all just naturally inclined to take with people who disagree with our positions, who, to people who say no to our positions, is to take a stance by our positions. And Kind of what it sounds like is, here I am by my position, and over there, you're wrong. You're wrong, and I'm right. 
you're over there on the wrong side and I'm over here on the right side. I'm over here on the true side. And you need to change your position. And I'm going to stand over here and yell at you and preach at you and talk at you to tell you how wrong you are, to convince you that you're wrong until you change. Now, you may not say that out loud, but our actions prove that that's our approach because we'll pick at the heck out of businesses that don't agree with our positions and we don't agree with theirs. We'll boycott businesses that don't agree with our position and we don't agree with theirs. We will separate ourselves from people who say no to the positions that we believe are right and we believe are true. Some of Christy and I's friends, a uh, little older than we are, they have uh, a daughter in their 20s, and um, these people hold to a, a historical Christian view of, of marriage, and um, their daughter recently, or not recently, years ago, came out uh, and told them in one day, I'm lesbian and I have a girlfriend. Now, that was a lot for them to take in one day. I don't know that you, know, that you needed to, like, all in one day, you know, say that to them. They're, you know, a little blown away by it. And when they came, they, here's the this is our position. They're like, here's our position. So here's what they told her. They looked at her over there and said, your girlfriend will never be allowed in our home, ever. Never allowed in our home because it's wrong. We disagree with you. And this is, listen, whether you think, how could she? How could they do that to her? You do it too. You do it on your positions too. They need to know where I stand. I don't want them to think I condone that behavior, I condone that belief, I condone that position. They need to know what's right. They need to know what's true. So I'm going to stand here by this position as hard as I can and yell at them until they change because the only way that they're ever going to change if I take a stance over here by my position. How's that working for you? Anyone ever come over to your position doing that? Anyone ever go, I think that person's for me? No, never. Not once. And yet somehow we think that's a good idea. Let me tell you what all you're being known for, and all we're becoming known for, just being known for either anti-gay Anti-guns, anti-abortion, anti-pro-choice, anti-conservative, anti-liberal, whatever your position is, you're standing over here and them over there, which basically goes you're becoming anti-them, anti-them, anti-them. And all they're concluding about you is you're against me. Our friends said that to their, their daughter. You, your, your girlfriend will never be allowed in our home. And their daughter looked back at them and said, well, then I will never come in your home ever again either. Ever. And for years she hasn't. And all it is is just a bigger and bigger gap between them and their daughter. And the gap just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. As followers of Christ, as a church, we've, we are called to be for people because God is. And the reality is we'll never be able to do that with our current approach, which means we need a new approach. And today, I, I'm going to challenge you to think differently, not about what your positions are. You don't need to think differently about your positions. I'm going to take, challenge you to, to, to think differently about where you take a stance. Because we talked about this last week. You don't have to change or compromise what your doctrinal, theological, moral, social, political positions are to be for people God is for. But you do need to change your approach by thinking differently about where you stand. 
In the reality, in reality, your, the, the approach I'm going to challenge you to take, though, it's not new at all. It was actually Jesus' approach. But before I show you this approach, I want to ask you a really important question that you need to honestly answer as a follower of Christ. You've got to honestly answer this. And here it is. You ready? Is it more important for you to people, for people to agree with your position or for them to come to know Jesus? Whoo! Listen, your answer to this question will determine if you follow Jesus by applying his approach with people who have said no to Jesus, no to church, and no to what you believe. Which means your answer to this question will determine if you're known by being for people or against them. Now we're going to look at a well-known story in, in Luke 19. And in this story, an unacceptable sinner named Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus. And as we're going to see, before, uh, b- because Jesus took the approach, uh, because the approach Jesus took with him, Zacchaeus' life and Zacchaeus' eternity were, were transformed. So here's the story. Jesus entered Jericho, and that's a city near Jerusalem, and was passing through. A man uh, was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now real quick, to grasp this story, the magnitude of this story. I want you to imagine the most unacceptable, unforgivable, unredeemable person that you can possibly imagine. Or the type of person who's the most unacceptable, unforgivable, and unredeemable ever. And by all the Republicans are saying Democrats, and all the Democrats are saying Republicans. I get that. Great. Get that person in your mind. A person whose positions disgust you. A person whose behavior absolutely, absolutely disgusts you. You got that type of person in your mind? Cool. Multiply that times 10, and that's how first century Jews viewed tax collectors in first century Judea. Like, tax collectors in first century Judea, they were, they were Jewish traders. They were Jews who were collecting taxes from their own Jewish people for the ruling Roman government. But what they would do is they would take more taxes, they would take more money than Rome required them to take. And the, the, more, the extra money they took, they pocketed it themselves. So what they're doing for those, to their own people is they're lying to their own people. They're stealing from their own people. They're cheating their own people, and they would get extremely wealthy as their own people would get poorer. And many times they use that, that, that extra wealth to just live extremely immoral lifestyles. So that's Zacchaeus. He was viewed as the worst of the worst who was past the point of God's grace. Everyone hated Zacchaeus and was against him, and Zacchaeus knew it, and let's be honest, he probably deserved it. But God loved Zacchaeus. And wanted him to know that he was not past the point of his grace. But how would Zacchaeus ever feel that? How would Zacchaeus ever know that? Well, it was going to take someone with an entirely different approach. And into Zacchaeus' life walks Jesus. Verse 3, he wanted to see, he, Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. So Zacchaeus had heard, you know, Jesus, this guy named Jesus, proclaiming to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and then he's healing people and, and making the blind see and the deaf hear, and he's like, I got to see who this guy is myself. So he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore uh, fig tree and, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, Many people who grew up in church world know this story. You probably have a song memorized about it. But one question that many know the story don't ever think about is, why did Zacchaeus choose to climb a tree instead of navigate politely through the crowd until he got to a place where he could see Jesus? And just so you know, the answer is not because he was short. 
Because there were other short adults that day who couldn't see Jesus either, who acted like adults and didn't go act like a middle school kid and climb a tree. Right, they just politely kind of navigate through the crowd so they can play see. So why, didn't, why did Zacchaeus go climb a tree? And listen, I don't know for sure, but I believe he didn't want to get close to the people in the crowd. He knew where the people in the crowd stood. He knew how they felt about him. He knew that they despised him. He knew their approach with him was, don't talk to me until Zacchaeus, you change. So instead of having to deal with all that, he separated himself from the crowd and climbed a tree instead. Now, if I ended the sermon right there, that should be enough for all of us who are followers of Christ to apply to our lives. When Jesus reached the spot, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot. So, by, by the way, Zacchaeus knew by distancing himself from the crowd that he could potentially, potentially miss seeing Jesus at all. But instead, Jesus ended up walking directly under the tree that Zacchaeus was in. Was that by accident? Or did Jesus go under that tree where Zacchaeus was in on purpose? I don't know. All I know is that there Jesus was standing a few feet from that tax collector, that sinner. And what Jesus did and said next took everyone, especially Zacchaeus, by surprise. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, if Jesus had implemented our approach, he'd been like, hey, Zacchaeus, you need to know where I stand. When it comes to your behavior, when it comes to your actions, when it comes to your position, you need to know you are wrong. And if you want to know me, you want to see me? You better change first. Until then, I'm not going to have anything for, to do with you, Zacchaeus. Sound familiar? But Jesus took a whole different approach. He took a relational one. He said, I must stay at your house today. Now, a lot of you, you know, I know you get all geeked out over the Greek words and what all those mean and I don't. By the way, Greek is what the New Testament was originally written in. Uh, but this is an interesting word here. That word must is actually the Greek word day, D-E-I. And it's literally translated, it is necessary. So that phrase Jesus is saying is, it is necessary that I stay at your house today. Going into someone's home in the first century, that was a sign of relationship. Eating in someone's home, that was a sign of relational peace and love and acceptance. Of all the people in Jericho, Jesus singles out an unacceptable sinner and says, it is necessary that I eat at your house today. Necessary for who? Not Jesus. Necessary for Zacchaeus. And here's Zacchaeus' response. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I mean, Zacchaeus is so blown away by Jesus' approach with him, he immediately welcomed him into his home. Not because he felt like Jesus agreed with his positions. Not because he felt like Jesus agreed with his lifestyle. He knew Jesus didn't. But because he felt like Jesus was for having a relationship with him. But just like many of us, the crowd did not understand Jesus' approach. Verse 7, all the people, how many? All of them, all of them. Every last freaking one of them. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. I mean, the crowd can't believe Jesus would go to Zacchaeus' house. I mean, Zacchaeus, he's a liar. He's a thief. He's a sinner. How could Jesus do this? 
Maybe he's condoning being a liar and being a thief. Is he condoning Zacchaeus' sin? He should take a stand for what is right by taking a stance as far away from Zacchaeus as possible. I mean, why would he go to his house? And what I love about Jesus is he doesn't even entertain that. doesn't even answer it. He just goes with Zacchaeus to his house. And while Jesus was at Zacchaeus' house, we don't know exactly what they talked about. Luke didn't record it. But I don't believe Jesus said, got in his house and said, Hey, Zacchaeus, here's where I stand. And just preached all his right positions at Zacchaeus. I don't believe he told him all the reasons he was wrong. I don't believe he called him greedy. I don't think he called him a liar and a drunkard and a cheat. If he did, though, he would have been, it would have been truthful. Jesus would have been right. It just wouldn't have been impactful. It wouldn't have been helpful. I believe over lunch they simply talked. And Jesus, whenever he had an opportunity to talk, he just talked about the love and grace and mercy and forgiveness of God that was available for Zacchaeus through him. And I believe that because that's what changes and impacts and transforms people's hearts and people's lives. And that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus before Jesus left his house that day. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now there's a lot in that phrase that had to do with first century Judaism. But in, in short, Jesus is saying that Zacchaeus has entered into a saving relationship with God through faith in him. I mean, check this out. When Jesus walked into Zacchaeus' home that day, Zacchaeus was a liar and a thief who was separated from God. And when Jesus walked out of Zacchaeus' home that day, he had a restored relationship with God and was transformed into a generous and truthful man. And the only reason it happened is because of the approach that Jesus took with Zacchaeus. He chose to say yes to the relationship. But before Jesus left Zacchaeus' house, he said one final thing. And Jesus' final statement answers the question, who is God for? It answers the question about the ultimate reasons Jesus came, died, and rose from the grave. It answers the question about why Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house in the first place that day. And here's how, what Jesus said before he leaves. For the Son of Man, referring to himself, came to seek and save the lost. And we've looked at this statement from Jesus over the past few past few weeks. But now that you know the context in which Jesus said it in, it should mean something so much more. Why did Jesus feel that he must go, that it was necessary to go to Zacchaeus' house? For one reason. Because people like Zacchaeus are who Jesus came to seek and to save. People like Zacchaeus are who Jesus came for, Jesus died for, Jesus rose from the grave for. And who Jesus was for affected the approach that Jesus took. It's as if Jesus saying, hey, Zacchaeus, even though you're wrong in about every way, I'm saying yes to a relationship with you. Even though all my positions are right, I'm not going to take a stance over there by them. I'm going to take a stance with you. I haven't changed my position, Zacchaeus. 
but I'm going to take a stance with you because I want you to know that I came for you. Jesus did not compromise. Jesus did not change what his positions were on greed, on lying, on cheating, on tax collecting with Zacchaeus. He just changed where he stood. He chose to be with Zacchaeus. His approach was to say yes to the relationship. He chose this approach because he cared about one thing more than anything else, seeking and saving those who were lost. And he knows that can never happen if people felt like he was against them. Now, chances are, if the people you disagree with and who disagree with you feel like you're against them, it doesn't have as much to do with what your positions are as it does to where you're standing. That's not true across the board for every single person, but I think chances are it's true for a lot of us that it doesn't have as much to do with what your positions are as it does to where you're standing. I mean, what, we, what I mean by that is, listen, this is, this is so often what we do is we, this is where I stand. I'm standing over here with you over there. And I'm taking a stance over here by my position. And you're wrong, and you're wrong, and you're wrong. And if you want to know me, if you want to have a relationship with me, you need to change and come over here. And we're just shouting at one another. And how could they not feel that we're against them? In order to be for people that God is for, we must think different. Not about what our positions are, but about where we stand. In order to be for people that God is for, you must change your approach from taking your stance by your positions to taking your stance relational with people that you disagree with, who disagrees with you. Yeah, I know what my positions are. I know what I believe to be right and true. But I'm not staying here. With all this, I'm going to come and say yes to you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to walk beside you. I'm going to be with you with all your positions, with all your behaviors, and with all my positions. I'm saying yes to you. And hopefully, as I walk with you relationally, hopefully, I'm helping you take a, a walk closer to Jesus. Basically, the approach I'm challenging us all to take is to say yes to the relationship. Say yes to the relationship. To relationally say yes to people who have said no to Jesus, no to the church, no to what you believe. Listen, this is not a good approach. This is the best approach. Because this is Jesus' approach. It's the, it's the best approach because it communicates, I care about you. I care about you ahead of the issues, despite our disagreements, regardless of your or my positions. And when people know that, they know we're for them and not against them. And that's the best chance we have for people to be open to us. And that's the only way that we can ever go. And God is for you too. How do we say yes? How do we do this? How do we say yes to people who have said no to Jesus, no to the church, no to, no to us? And it's through two words we talk about here, all, around here, around relevant all the time. And those two words are invest and invite. Invest and invite. And I just want to close by giving you a few practical ways to apply this with the people in your life. First, invest. Rel that means relationally invest. Relationally invest by saying yes. And just say yes in a few different ways. Say yes to just simply getting to know them. By the way, you know how that happens? It happens by listening to them more and talking at them less. 
Listening to them more and talking at them less. I know that's deep, but that's how we say yes to just simply getting to know people. And listen, come on. Powerful things happen when we care enough to sit down with people and hear their stories. That's what this is. I just want to get to know you. I want to get to know your story. And it, show, it proves I'm interested in you. And not only that, it helps you know what they're thinking and what they're believing and why they came to those conclusions. It knows how you can let you know how you can better relate to them. It lets them know that you care about them. Listen, if you don't know a person, if you don't know about a person, you don't know the person, so you can't impact the person. So just care enough to say, I want to get to know you. I'm saying yes to getting to know you. I just want to know more of you and your story. And by the way, if you really want to get to know someone and, and, and their story, and, and a great question that actually opens the door for a spiritual conversation as well is, hey, where are you at on your spiritual journey? I ask this question all the time, and it just helps me get to know people where people are at. And no one's offended by that question because people love to talk about themselves, right? So just give an opportunity to talk about themselves. Where are you at on your spiritual journey? Here's another thing to say yes to. Say yes to serving them. When, when you see or hear a need in their life, serve them. Serve them like no one else, and they will conclude that you're like no one else. And this is how you demonstrate Jesus' love like nothing else. Here's another thing to say yes to. Say yes to sharing your life. Sharing your life. Not all your positions today. I know you want to get those out there. But just your life today. Your dinner table. Your home. Your time. Your fears. Your hopes. Your joys. Your story. The more you say yes to getting, getting to know them and the more you say yes to serving them, by the way, the more they will want to, you to share your life and your story with them. Because people care about those who they know care about them. And here's what's cool. When you get an opportunity to share your story and your life and the more opportunities you get with, that, with them, you're really getting the opportunity to share the love and the truth and the hope and the peace and salvation and the good news of Jesus with them. Because as a follower of Christ, Jesus' story is interweaved into your story. Relationally investing in these three simple ways is how we communicate, I'm for you, and so is God. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to want to say yes to Jesus, yes to the church. However, sooner or later, this is true about every single person, sooner or later, everyone faces pivotal circumstances in their lives. That cancer, a death of a loved one, going through a divorce, your parents are going through a divorce. And those circumstances that happen in our lives that we can't control are what can cause people who have always said no to God, no to church, to just go, oh, maybe I need something. And they would consider pivoting toward him and maybe for the first time even saying yes to him. Well, who will they go to if that thought ever enters their mind? They're going to go to the people who have been standing with them. And that's when you get the opportunity to invite. Listen, if you really want the people in your life to know God is for them, I have some really great news for you. You, ha you don't have to do it alone. At Relevant, we are relentless about this. 
We're relentless about reaching people who don't know Jesus. We're relentless about being a community of people who say yes to people who have said no to Jesus, no to the church, no to what we believe. We're relentless about sharing God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace and hope and life that's available for all people through faith in him. We're relentless about being a church where people can come as they are and be loved as they are. We're relentless about helping people be transformed into everything God's created them to be by inspiring and empowering people to take next steps to follow Jesus. We're relentless about practical biblical teaching, about making faith practical. We're relentless about never compromising truth, never watering down truth, but walking in the fullness of grace and truth just like Jesus. And we're relentless about people knowing who we know. His name is Jesus. We're relentless about being for people because God is so relevant. We got to say yes to the relationship. Say yes to the relationship. Invest, invest, invest. Relationally invest, invest, invest. And then when you think inviting them is going to help them, you know, open up their heart to God, take a next step toward Jesus, and maybe even say yes to him, then invite and invite and invite. And I can't overstate how powerful this principle is, this relational principle of saying yes to just invest and invite, and I've seen it happen over and over and over in transforming people's lives. I want to show you this picture taken a few months ago. That really good-looking guy in the middle is me, and then, um, did you get that? Uh, the, the, the tall guy standing next to me right there is a guy named Dan Allison, and uh, if you've been around Relevant for a period of time, I don't know, seven, eight months ago, uh, Dan actually shared some of his story uh, on a video, and just about how he was far from God and was still far from God uh, eight months ago and was really questioning and didn't really, really know what, where he thought, you know, what he thinks. And here's the deal. For years, Dan, <laughs> you know, he had said no to Jesus and no to church. And for years, it was like huge gap between church and him and anyone who would say they're a Christian and him, you know, because of his positions, their positions, because of his lifestyle, their lifestyle. And the gap was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Dan actually loved to sit over here and yell. And he just loved when they would sit over here and yell at him because it just made the gap bigger and made him feel better about him. But then there were two people, two followers of Christ who had a different approach with Dan. Names were Carrie and Paul. And Carrie and Paul, they disagreed with Dan. (laughs) They had different positions than Dan. But they said yes to Dan. And they stood with him and just invested and invested and relationally invested into him. Well, earlier last year, Dan had a pivotal circumstance in his life that rocked his world. And he was talking to Carrie, you know, all through that time. And through it, just Carrie just kept saying, I'm praying for you. And she kept just, uh, like she'd done for years and years and years, just sharing the hope of Jesus with him that he was never open to before. But in this pivotal circumstance, he was more open to it. And so she said, you should come. She's part of Rebel. You should come on Sunday morning. I think you would enjoy the message, and it may help you. And so he had nothing to lose at this point in his life. And so he said, fine, I'll, I'll show up. And to Dan's admission, he showed up and uh, he cried that first week. And he didn't cry because he believed everything. He cried because there was just, he was hurt and there was just something that he felt inspired with. And so he was like, he couldn't believe he was crying. He's like, I'm never coming back. But he walked out of here that day and said, I'm going to go back the next week. And he came back the next week and the next week and the next week. And over the next couple months, he, he didn't have any anything change up here necessarily, but his heart was just starting to change. He just wanted to know more. Well, Paul, who had been investing, one of those two people, you know, standing with, with uh, Dan, had been investing for years and years and years. They've had many spiritual conversations about God. And actually, Paul's in that picture. He's right over here on your right side. Uh, he actually called Paul up and said, hey, Paul, listen, I'm not changing my mind about God and all this stuff yet, but uh, my, 
but I've been going to church, and my heart's just, can I, hey, can we meet, and can I ask you some questions? And Paul's like, yeah, but what church you been going to? And Dan's like, oh, you wouldn't like it. It's called Relevant Community Church. And Paul's like, that's my church. Uh, and so that was kind of fun. I don't know why Dan thought Paul wouldn't like it, but whatever. Uh, so anyway, they met, they're talking, you know, Paul's trying to answer some of his questions, and uh, Dan said to him, I really would like, to, I'd love to sit down with Pastor Ronnie, and you know you don't know me if you call me Pastor Ronnie. He goes, I'd love to sit down with Pastor Ronnie and ask him some questions. And Paul's like, well, I know him. I can, you know, introduce you. So anyway, me and Paul, or me and Dan end up getting together, and he just started asking question after question after question. And I didn't answer any of his questions. You know what I did? I just re-asked a question back to him. And so then he says, and at the end of this long conversation, we get to the end of it and go, Dan, here's the deal. I, I can probably answer all your questions. I don't think any of that's going to talk you into it. I'm just, thanks for sharing it. For two hours, he just shared his life and everything. And I said, just, you need to know before we walk out, there's only, I've said it to you guys a thousand times, there's only one but reason I believe any of this is because any guy who can predict his death and resurrection, pull it off, I kind of just go with that guy from that point forward. That's really it, Dan. That's why I believe all this stuff. And we laughed and, you know, and then, uh, and then and he, got, he met Jeremy Petrosini. You know, you know, you guys know Jeremy's one of our elders. And Jeremy, you know, him started, and, you know, meeting. And they're getting together and getting to know each other. And so now he's got some more people just standing over here with him. And I kept asking Dan when I would see him, hey, man, you ready to put your faith in Jesus yet? He's like, nope, not even close. Quit asking me. And I'm like, I'm going to keep asking you. You know, and we just kept jacking around. He kept showing up. And then, you know, February, a few months ago, he comes up to me and, you know, talking, talking down here. And he goes, you know, I said, hey. Hey, Dan, what's up? I was like, hey, you ready to put your faith in Jesus yet? He goes, I did. And I'm like, what? He goes, I did. And I'm like, shut up. We need to get a picture. And that's the day that picture was taken. I was like, I'm recording this thing. And isn't that awesome? Now, here's the cool thing. That's a fun, nice ending to the story. But it's, it, it only happened for one. I really do believe this only happened because two people, Carrie and Paul, chose to go. I'm saying yes to you. Over the past two weeks, I invited you to write the name of someone on that Ford display in the lobby. The name of someone who's not a follower of Christ, who said no to God, who, said, who has said no to church. The name of someone who God wants to know that he loves and sent Jesus to die for and rise for. Look at all these names written. I think there's like almost 500 names written on that, on that board. Here's the question I would ask you. What if? What if? What if all these people ended up saying yes to Jesus? What if? It can happen. I mean, why not? If someone like Zacchaeus could say yes to Jesus, why not them? Why not? Why not through you? Why not through us? It can happen, but in order for it to, you have to honestly answer the question I asked earlier. Is it more important to you for people to agree with your position or for them to come to know Jesus? If you really want those people on that board to say yes to Jesus, you have to say yes to the relationship. Something powerful happens when the people who have said no to God, who have said no to the church, realize that the church still has said yes to them. Saying yes to people who have said no to our positions powerfully communicates, I'm not against you. I'm for you and so is God. Saying yes to people who have said no to God is the only way they will ever come to say yes to Jesus. And you've heard this said before. People don't care what you know until they know you care. People don't care what you know 
until they know you care. That's why the best approach is a relational one. I'm saying yes to the relationship. Now, before I pray for us, and those of you who would say you're not followers of Christ, you know, I, you got to listen to me beat up on us for a while, and you're like, yeah, maybe I do like this church. He really kind of gives it to him. I'm like, cool. Um, I just need you to know before I close, hey, God is for you. <laughs> if you didn't hear anything else in this message, I hope you heard that. God's for you. He sent Jesus to seek and save you. And I, there's nothing I probably convinced you of today with that, but if something in your heart just stirred within that today, God's saying, I want you to know me. I want to know you. And all you have to do in order for that to happen is just put your faith in Christ by asking Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. Say, I, I realize that I need a Savior. That my, sin, my violation of sin against Holy Creator God separated me from him. I need saved, forgiven for that. And Jesus, because of your death and resurrection, I believe that you can be my Savior. That you're the only one who could be my Savior. So forgive me. And Jesus, I don't know what it means to follow you, but I just want to say I want to take the next step to follow you. If you want to do that today on your couch in this room, you can do that today. Quietly where you are, as I pray, I'm going to allow you to pray that. So let me pray for us. Dear Lord, I pray those of us who put our faith in you, uh, we don't let this fall on deaf ears, God, that we become more passionate, that we become more excited, that we become more intentional, that we become more uh, relentless about being who you are for and saying yes to the relationship. And through that, I pray that you powerfully work in us and through us. God, for every person in here who's watching, who's never put their faith in you, Jesus, that right now something is stirring in them to do that, I pray in this moment, quietly where they are, Jesus, right now they put their faith in you by asking you to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. And as they're praying that right now, I pray that you just, you're, they know that you are with them and they feel loved by you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.